By the time this episode drops on December 26th and you hear it, will be a few days past the winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere. After the longest night of the year, daylight has begun to lengthen in slow, creeping increments each day. I hope you've been able to enjoy some kind of holiday break from work or school, maybe some time to celebrate with friends or family, to take stock of what and who matters in your life. I'm guessing that you have places to go, things to do, people to see, so I'm all the more grateful that you're choosing to inhabit these few precious minutes with me. And because it's the holidays, I promise to keep this one short. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Chris Johnson, and this is Pause, Purpose, Possibility. Whatever your own beliefs and practices, holidays are among those times of the year and of our lives where we encounter with special poignancy the intertwining of suffering and wonder, ache and awe, brokenness and beauty, shadow and light. Both are real. And in some ways, both are important and necessary. Winter's wisdom recognizes the need for cold and dark. The gifts and rigors of winter include stillness and quiet, rest and dormancy, going deep under the surface of snow and ice and our interior lives. Still, the holidays are powerful times in many cultures and traditions around the world to celebrate the light that shines in winter's darkness. There's Hanukkah, of course, the Jewish festival of light, celebrating the resilience of hope and life in the face of death and destruction. There's Diwali, the Hindu festival of lights, which symbolizes the spiritual victory of light over darkness, good over evil, and knowledge over ignorance. And Christmas, celebrating the birth of the one who in Christian faith is seen as the light of the world. In each of these traditions, and in many others, the lighting of candles holds a prominent place. My favorite part of the Christmas Eve service at the little white wooden country church where I grew up was near the end, when all the lights would be turned off, and we would light one another's candles, tipping my unlit wick into the flame of yours next to me, and so on down the row. And we'd sing together, silent night, holy night, all is calm. All is bright. In our creaky, shy, tender Lutheran voices, even all these decades later, I can still feel the hush, the pause after the last notes had faded, and we'd all hold on to the silence just one moment longer before blowing out our candles, and the overhead lights would snap back on, and the organ postlude would begin from up in the balcony, sending us back out into the cold, cold night. And then there were the stars. Oh, the stars! Millions and millions of candles speckling the sky, flinging light across the dark, helping us to find our way, and inviting us to live looking up, looking out, being light for others in the darkness. The holidays also tap into our capacity and our need for awe and wonder, that array of feelings, emotions, even bodily sensations that wash through and over us when we're in the presence of something vast and mysterious, something that both pulls us up and out and beyond ourselves and more deeply into ourselves and into this present moment. It may come for you in an experience of nature, or maybe of listening to music, 
or of cradling a sleeping infant against your chest. Causes and opportunities for awe and wonder are boundless, and they are all around us. I was somehow surprised to learn recently that the most common thing to stir awe in people worldwide is other people. Seeing others' courage, seeing their kindness, caring, and love, their resilience to overcoming obstacles. What Dacher Keltner at the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, called moral beauty. In Keltner and his colleagues' research, more than 95% of the moral beauty that stirred awe in people worldwide was in actions that people took on behalf of others. So, in some real and profound sense, the light of the holidays is the awesome and awe-inspiring light that we can bring to the places of fear and despair, the dark places of hatred and brokenness of the world. As my friend and mentor, the author and educator Parker Palmer writes, by choosing to stand in one of those places when we show up in the world, it's possible to be something better than our fear. We can be light, illumining, warming, transforming light. Here is a short poem from Howard Thurman, the author, theologian, educator, civil rights leader, who was, among other things, a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. This is his, I will light candles this Christmas. I will light candles this Christmas. Candles of joy, despite all the sadness. Candles of hope, where despair keeps watch. Candles of courage for fears ever-present, candles of peace for tempest-tossed days, candles of grace to ease heavy burdens, candles of love to inspire all my living, candles that will burn all year long. May you be blessed with moments of holiday pause, awe, and light, and with the courage and resolve to be light in the darkness part of a vast cosmic blanket of candles stretched across the sky and around the earth. Candles that will burn all year long. As always, we invite you to continue to reflect on what might have spoken to you in this episode throughout the days and weeks to come. First, with some big questions of the week. For what or for whom are you lighting candles this holiday season? Where and when do you experience awe? When and where do you glimpse light in dark times? And how might you be a light in the darkness? And as always, we're going to leave you today with a practice or an action step to take with you, inspired by what this episode has been about. And today, I'm just so tickled that my dear friend and milkweed group colleague, Kelsey Maddox, is going to share a practice that comes from her own life and her own family's life. So, Kelsey, thanks for being here. Hello, it's me, Kelsey, here with you today. And today, I'm going to share about awe walking. I have a practice, especially when things are chaotic or stifled to change the scene, to head outside. Depending on the season, you may need to suit up or 
suntan lotion up (laughs) slather, heading outside and taking a journey, maybe aimlessly, but with the intention of looking for what sparks awe. This could be something that sparks awe for everybody, like, whoa, look at the star hanging in the window. Or it could be something especially that sparks off for you, like listening to your own heart. So for me, oftentimes, sparking awe comes from nature. I do live in an urban area, but when I'm walking with intention, I notice bits of nature that I don't when I'm walking unintentionally, and that awe surfaces readily. I would also advise if it's not surfacing for you, There's a a couple of things you can do to go a little deeper. One thing you might do is travel with a companion, particularly a companion who's a different size than you. My husband is a foot taller than me, and my children are smaller, although my son is 11 and very close to being my size. (laughs) And um, kids tend to notice the micro things that I don't pick up on, like a bud on a branch or a pebble and its shape. My husband might notice uh, something in the trees taller that I don't. Another way to engage this awe walking, to find what sparks for you, is to utilize your senses. You know, maybe touch or smell, especially if it's a nature thing. If it's maybe like some discarded french fries on the ground, the smell might be unpleasant, but... (laughs) Utilizing the senses. Just today, I had this experience with my son where we ran an errand and ended up at Home Depot. And my son was really drawn to this particular plant. It's a succulent and it's a stone plant. If you've ever seen one, they're actually rather unremarkable. It is a plant that looks like a stone. This one had a purplish hue to it. And he insisted that we bring it home and that he would care for it if if we did. Uh, they happen to be on sale. So I obliged and um, on the drive home, instead of putting it in the back with our other bag, he carried it in his hands. And he, not only did he carry it, he like held it close to his body and even to his face at times. And I noticed and treasured and felt the awe myself and and then I remarked to him, you really like that plant, don't you? And he said, yeah, it's, it's talking to me and it's telling me its name is Norman and Norman likes to be cuddled. And Norman's been around a while and seen a lot at the old Home Depot. <laughs> oh. And this this moment of awe for this unremarkable plant kind of pulled me away from my to-do list and all the swirling going on in my head about making the season magical or important or the day good for my children and the world a good and safe place. It pulled me away from all the tendrils of the doing that and took me into this moment of being that, of being in awe. So I invite you to take your own awe walk, no matter the season, notice the air, you know, maybe bring a companion who's of a different size than you and 
also utilize your senses and just see, just see what sparks awe for you. Cause it might not be the same for everybody. See what memories come up, see what stories unfold for you as you walk in awe of the created world. I am in awe. Thank you. Thank you for that, Kelsey. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, of course. Holiday blessings to you and yours and Norman.